This is Finance for Artists and Musicians with your friend, me, Danny Plays. Before we get started, I want you to breathe and release any judgment or pressure you have on yourself because we are all learning here and trying to survive this thing called life. Welcome back, fam, to another episode of the Finance for Artists and Musicians podcast. The entertainment industry is notorious for it being feast or famine. My dear friend Camden is joining us to explore relationships with money as an independent musician. Camden is an alternative jazz soul artist based in Nashville, Tennessee, with placements on Netflix's Riverdale, Paramount Plus's Long So Exhale, and features in the likes of Pitchfork Magazine, Ones to Watch, MTV. You get the gist, he is awesome. Having opened for the likes of Code of the Friend, Raylan Baxter, ex-ambassadors Jake Wesley Rogers, and more, Camden is taking a break from the road to finish his debut EP, Erosion, which will be out later this year. Camden, thanks for coming on the show. I am so excited you're here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So tell us, how did you get into music? Um, I, I grew up in music. It was always a big part of my life. I thought I was going to be uh, a teacher at a college. Um, and then whenever I was, um, out of college, then I ended up, uh, randomly being on a reality TV show, um, about selling real estate. So it had nothing to do with music. Um, and that's kind of just whenever I realized I didn't want to be a realtor, but, uh, entertainment industry, um, a career in that was possible. And so that kind of gave me the bug and I was like, okay, I'm going to start just like trying to reach out to producers. Um, and then I put out my first DP and eventually that led me to coming to Nashville and, um, and yeah, and then I just kind of became a songwriter, started working with a bunch of different people. Um, and you know, you meet people at parties and all that kind of thing. And, um, and then, yeah, before you know it, like your collaborators are better and better. Um, and, and so, yeah, that led me to like getting all those different placements and things like that. So I've just been doing that and now I'm in LA to kind of up the ante just a little bit. That's so exciting. In your writing process, how do songs come to you? Um, you know, it used to be a lot harder. It, it, writing songs really is a muscle that you can exercise. So Um, I remember I used to not consider myself a songwriter and I always needed help. I was like, oh, I need to record an EP, but I don't know how to write songs. Um, And that was my thought maybe like 10 years ago, whenever I first started in music. And, uh, and then, and then I started, you know, doing co-writes and realizing, um, Hey, I've got opinions and you know, whatever. And then, and then you kind of start to write on your own a little bit more, but if you do that every day, it becomes pretty fast. So, so now I'm to a place where it's like, if I'm in a session with somebody else, I, I write lyrics and, um, lyrics and melody at the same time. Um, Whereas it used to be like, oh, I'll write melody first and then I'll write lyrics over that. But but now I try to do it at the same time. Um, but it does usually start with the the music, like the, the backing track first. So you'll either build that um, if you're working with a producer or you'll just play guitar or piano or something. That's cool. My process is actually opposite. Really? What, yeah. what is yours? Yeah, lyrics come to me first. Okay. Um, or like a melody. Like I remember I was grocery shopping and uh, I was just humming a melody 
and I was like, oh, that could actually be something, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I usually start lyrics first. And okay. And I get into the music. I'll just, like, I'll hear the note in my head, and I gotta, like, fiddle around and figure out what it is. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, To everybody's path and process is different. You just have to figure out what works for you. Totally. And, like, it changes per project or per song. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So getting into the business of music, how do you prioritize your finance to fund your projects? Um... It's really tricky because, you know, whenever you get into music, you start to realize not everybody is on the same level financially. And the people who come from families that have more money tend to do better in music um, because they're able to pay for the music videos and pay for the producers and pay for the album art and the clothes and then the promotion that comes after that, paying for marketing on Instagram, um, paying for a publicist to get them in all the magazines and then by being in those magazines then they get the blue check mark. So, I mean, I've, I've literally watched people, you know, that, that started out with very little, um, very little put together for their artist project, but because they had so much money behind them, they're able to just skip a bunch of steps. Um, but then, you know, you'll also find a lot of people who are funding themselves and they're, you know, holding down a full-time job, um, trying to support their music because it really does it. I mean, music costs money, you know, to, to do things the way that you want to. Um, Unless, unless you, you know, are, uh, one of the people that like does everything yourself, which is pretty amazing. And I'm trying to become that cause I've seen how good that can be. Um, but a lot of people, you know, have, have learned how to produce for themselves. They play everything themselves. They, they make their own backing tracks for whenever they go on the road and they just, you know, they don't hire a band. They just do their own thing. Um, they make their own album art. So if you can do all that kind of stuff, then that will put you ahead. Um, or put you in a good place financially. Um, I forgot what your question even was now. I've just yeah. been rambling. Well, right. Like if you lower your production costs, you can invest that money more into the promotion of your project. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely a pay to play kind of game. Yeah, it is. And uh, what was your original question though? It was, how do you prioritize your finances to fund your music? So yeah, prioritizing your finances to fund your music. I mean, that's for me, the past 10 years, music has been my main priority. And so, um, it's like all of my finances at, at this point really kind of have gone into that. And I've worked, you know, jobs that are low responsibility level, um, so that I'm able to take off if I need to go on tour or go on a songwriting trip. Um, and so that my mind can be, you know, kind of, I can just clock in and clock out. And that way I haven't used my mind too much that day so that I can still write songs later and still, um, do the kind of things that you need to be able to do music. So yeah, I think, I think that's how I prioritized my money. Yeah. You like sit, having the energy at the end of a work day to create, you have to like protect that process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Given that, what is your relationship with money? Well, it is interesting because sometimes I wish I were more money driven um, because, you know, I have some friends who are, 
you know, they have an expectation of, oh, I should be making this much money a year. And so they make that happen, you know, and, and I'm very, um, inspired by that, I guess. Cause you know, I have some friends they are like, okay, how do I make my music make money? And they find ways, you know, one of my friends started selling NFTs and he like got deep into the NFT path and, you know, ended up being able to fund his music for a long period of time. Um, just through selling his music as NFTs. Um, and whereas I'm, I'm more the kind of person that like, I think I, I don't plan as much. Um, I kind of just, and just like, Oh, it'll all work out. Like that's kind of my (laughs) my mentality, (laughs) which, um, yeah, I, I, I know that can definitely be a bad thing sometimes. Um, it almost yeah. plays into like the manifestation of it, right? Your friends who, you, who are more, like you said, financially motivated and they make it happen. They're visualizing it and maybe getting into the habit of, okay, this is a number I want to hit so I can, my music can self-sustain itself. Right. And then your habits will follow that. Yeah. Well, because the tricky thing is, you know, what I don't want to do is be like, Oh, I want to make more money. So I'm going to try to get a job that makes more money, but has more responsibility. And then the job ends up becoming the focus and not my music. And then before you know it, I mean, I know people who have worked themselves out of the music industry, you know, so they, you know, they, they, it's some people I know, you know, they want to be the manager everywhere they work. They want to keep climbing that ladder and they want to feel like they're always improving and bettering themselves. But, but now looking back on it, I mean, it's such a trade off because for me, I've always wanted to stay as low as I can at, so I have as little responsibility as possible when I'm at a workplace. That way I can put all my energy into music and, and I'm like forced in a sense to make music work. But, um, but other people I've seen them like, yeah, put all their energy into, um, being the manager at like a restaurant or some type of company or something. And now they just don't do music anymore, but they're financially stable and they have a salary and you know, they're buying a house and you know, all that kind of thing. So I don't know. It's sometimes it feels like a trade off, yeah, which is kind of difficult. But it's also like a mentality about it, right? Because if you're, I mean, you could have a day job, you know, mm-hmm. to help support your music, but you could be more dedicated to music. It's just kind of how you look at it. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, I guess it depends on the job really. You know, there are some yeah. jobs that don't carry as much, make more money, but don't carry as much responsibility. And those are more rare maybe. Um, but I know, you know, like I have a, one particular um, friend who, um, I mean, he works literally around the clock for this company and he just has zero time to do music anymore, you know? Yeah. And in theory, if he gets a break, like if he gets like a vacation or something like that, then he can work on music during his vacation. Um, and then he's got all this money that he could pump into his music project. But yeah. You know, I don't know. Do you find people who have more money with a day job, but shorter time to work on music because they have more money to fund it, they can actually make more progress in a shorter amount of time? That's an interesting thought. Um, I guess everybody's different. It depends because it depends on what you're working on. You know, if 
I mean, in theory, if you have, if you already have the talent, if you already have the songs, all you're missing is money, then I feel like yes. But if part of your journey is taking, spending more time working on your songwriting, more time just developing as an artist and um, figuring out who you are and what your voice is and, you know, all that stuff, then, you know, I feel like, I feel like it would be important to have the time to do that. Totally. I totally, I mean, I think like also a lot of creativity comes out of limitations, mm-hmm. um, such as having to develop new skill sets of producing, right? Right. Graphic design, all that stuff. Yeah. Like I know for me, I'm trying to learn how to produce now. And, um, I mean, it takes time, you know, it's, it's hard, it's hard even now to like find the time to be like, okay, I'm going to spend hours today sitting down trying to produce something. And yeah. Do you create like a, like a work schedule for your music? No. And I need to, I have, I have a to-do list. Um, but sometimes it's overwhelming feeling cause you look at it and it's like, you know, I don't know. I have like 17 things on my to-do list. And I'm like, all right, which one am I going to do today? And then like, you know, I don't know. It's also easy to get distracted too. And like people invite you to do something and then you're like, oh, I guess I, you know, don't really have anything going on right now. And then, you know, you end up doing that. And so I don't know, it would be ideal to have like a schedule and, and be like, okay, every, every time this day, like every day at this time I do this and every day at this time I do this. That'd probably be a good idea. Yeah, I and then put, you don't budge from it, even if somebody invites you to something. Yeah, because you're working. You're working. Right? Yeah, yeah. I put deadlines in my calendar, and I find that like super helpful because mm-hmm. I'm like I'm all over the place. You know, I I do podcasts, I do music, I produce. Yeah. Um, and what and the list goes on, but yeah, like having a schedule makes sure like you're working towards that mm-hmm. a little bit every day. Um, in the right direction. Yeah. Because as an artist, like, I feel like it's so easy for your mind to wander and just, like, go in a whole other place. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Are you on top of your finances? Are you checking it all the time? Um, no. I wouldn't say so. I, I feel like I feel like I'm always just, like, making sure I'm making money. And then I have a tendency to not really look. I am on top of it to the extent that, like, I I buy everything with a credit card. Um, and I pay off my credit card like every two weeks, basically. That's awesome. So, so I, I never, you know, I don't have any debt or anything like that. So I'm on top of it in that regard. You're ahead of a lot of musicians. There. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> good. Yeah. Cause I know, I know that, you know, it's like you want good, good credit. Um, totally. and so, so yeah, so I'll, I'll make sure to like, yeah, at least use a credit card, pay it off. Um, and I've been trying to invest a little bit more in, um, in the stock market. Like a friend was telling me about, um, uh, he's a producer friend and he was like, he was like, you don't have a fidelity Roth IRA. And I'm like, no, I don't know what that is. And so he was like, he was like, we're setting you up a fidelity Roth IRA. So, so, you know, go to this website, fidelity (laughs) and, uh, set up an IRA. Um, and basically like, yeah, it allows you to, put in uh, $6,000 every year tax free. Right. And it's, and it's going to basically, it's like kind of like your retirement. Well, it grows tax free. It grows tax free. So you pay tax now. And then like, you know, when you're of age to pull out that money, which, what is it? 59? Uh, 59 yeah. Half, something like something that. Like that. Uh, 
um, all the gains you have from now, like whatever, 20 plus years, 30 plus years, it's, it grows tax-free, which is amazing. Given that hopefully by that age, you're in a higher tax bracket, right? Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. So he was, yeah, but he was like, he was like, if you just put in $6,000 a year, you know, by the time, by the time you retire, you'll have, you know, I don't know. He said some big number. He was like, you'll have a million dollars. I'm like, I don't know if it'll be a million, but, um, Yo, that, have you ever checked out a compound interest calculator? No, I'm obsessed with that. Okay. Yeah. There's one in particular I really like from investor.gov, but yeah. Yeah. Anyways, like you could, you can add like the initial amount, your regular contributions, and then like how many years it compounds. So say it's like, you know, 30 years, how much, you know, how much it'll be. Okay. Has, yeah. How much it will grow in like 30 years based on like eight, 10, 12%. Yeah. Which should be relatively easy to achieve. Sure. Not, not maybe not this year, but <laughs> I know Well, I'm, I'm, on ho average. <laughs> I'm hoping like even like, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, only $6,000. That's not that much to put in every year. But for somebody like me, that is a lot, you know, that's yeah. like, to, to have 6,000 extra dollars in a year that I put away, you know, how, I don't know how much that is monthly. Uh, I guess it's like, I'm so bad at math. Uh, what is it? 500? Yeah. 500 a month. 500 a month. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of like extra money to, yeah. Be able to just, just throw in there. Um, Your future but self th will thank you. I, yeah, exactly. So I think, I think it's worth trying to make that happen. Totally. That was, I think that's, it also creates like the discipline, mm -hmm. right? It's not necessarily about how much, but like the consistency in contributing to that fund. Did your parents teach you about money as a kid at all? <sighs> they did. Um, but I feel like I had a little bit of a warped perspective. Um, because we grew up, it's so interesting. My, so my grandpa was like a wealthy businessman and he died when I was three. And then my grandma died when I was four. So we inherited, you know, a really large sum of money and kind of lived like a lavish lifestyle until I was in high school or until later in, un, until I was in college, actually, my oh, freshman yeah. year of college. Well, there was the downturn of the economy, you know, year, it was year 2008. Yeah. And then, so there was the downturn of the economy. So like all these like investment, all, all these like rental buildings that my parents had in, in St. Louis ended up like, like they owned like a school building, um, and it ended up just like, and then the school stopped renting the building and left. And then oh. it just became a dilapidated building in St. Louis that they couldn't rent to anybody. And then I think they ended up selling it for, you know, I mean, a fraction of the yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then there was, um, you know, and my parents were like really loving, wonderful people. Um, and they were always so giving, but they weren't necessarily, they think with their hearts, not with, not with their wallets basically. So like yeah. growing up, they were always like, if somebody needed a car, they would literally buy people a car, Oh gosh. you know? And like, if some, you know, if somebody, you know, didn't have it, which is really a beautiful thing. Like I love that about my parents and, yeah. but, but you know, whenever I was a freshman in college, yeah, that's whenever basically like they had invested in something that 
um, ended up, it was like a high risk, high reward type of investment and it ended up not coming through. And so we lost everything. We lost the house. We lost, um, we, we had a boat, we lost the boat, you know, like it was just the whole. So from that point moving forward, it then became everyone for themselves like we were like we used to be like rich kids who like I remember a day whenever like I didn't even think about filling up my tank with gas like I remember just being like oh I'll just call dad and ask him to fill my account yeah and which is like such a place of privilege and and now I'm like you know now I'm like man I can't believe like I thought I had it just as hard as everybody at the time and I definitely did not um and and so so yeah but but from that age on you know it just became like you know everything is self-funded by everybody so um yeah all that to say we talked about money but i don't necessarily think i grew up in a household where money was a priority it was more just like being a good person and yeah you know money was there but it money wasn't was like... there because we were lucky yeah <laughs> you know money yeah. was there because my grandpa was a hard-working businessman yeah. you know and my parents are hard-working people but they don't they didn't have the knowledge they, yeah yeah they didn't have the knowledge exactly i mean my mom you know was a teacher you know and, and she'd work you know and, and now she works like three jobs and my dad works full-time at capital one you know and um but they're yeah but those aren't necessarily jobs that are like you know, oh, big, big money jobs. Those are, you know, jobs that are stable, that are, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I don't know how, how else to explain it. I guess they're, they're just not like business tycoons, you know, right? they're just good people. Right. That's pretty jarring to go from one type of lifestyle as a kid and then see your family have to rebuild yeah. like that. You know, something I was wondering about you, do you have a, like an, an avoidance quality or an avoidance outlook on money? Maybe a little bit. I don't know. It's so tricky because it's like, it's good to have a wealth mindset and strategy so that you are um, setting yourself up for success and, you know, living comfortably and being able to pass that down to your kids and all that stuff. Um, but then at the same time too, like I have this big thing in me that feels like, you know, some of the poorest people in the world are some of the happiest people. And so it's like, I try to keep that balance in my mind of like, okay, I'm, I'm doing, you know, maybe trying to make more money so that I can accomplish my goals, but also at the end of the day none of it matters <laughs> you know is the way we I feel, which maybe isn't place. maybe is or isn't true but like but to me i'm like at, at the end of the day you know i'm like you know you're gonna die at some point and yeah. you know i definitely want my legacy to be like one of of love and kindness and relatability and like being down to earth and you know all that all that stuff yeah because I feel like that's so much greater than money um but at the same time you know it would be nice to to be able to make make enough that you're living comfortably and you're not you know worried about how you're gonna do xyz yeah I just think like there's a way to have both yeah do what you love and create that legacy for yourself and you know just share stories but also like not have to starve right and it's just finding that harmony yeah yeah right yeah exactly i feel like we hear so many pr stories that i was had 
six dollars in my pocket and then i made it it's like well as a kid you'd look at that and you're like oh i have to be broke and absolutely broke in order to make it like, yeah but you don't you don't yeah. need to suffer to be an artist right yeah yeah gosh i mean i mean i definitely have <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. i don't know i don't know if uh but i'm i'm sure i'm sure that you know i could have definitely been smarter with my money along the way and made it less hard on myself for sure oh but like we're all learning you yeah know? even even I'm finding things that I'm constantly tweaking and that's what it is. It's mm -hmm. constantly having that self-awareness of your spending habits and what tools out there that you can leverage so you can just create a better quality of life for yourself. Right. Well, and even now I'm learning too. like, I, so, so my friend that was involved in the NFT space and he was, you know, making all this money on NFTs. He got me involved in that space too. And, um, and so I got to sell one NFT and it will, I sold 15 editions of, of an NFT and literally, you know, within, within an hour, uh, made more money in music than I had ever made in music. Um, and, uh, and, and also it like put things into perspective for me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the amount that I make working a whole month at the restaurant that I work at. Um, and I made it in one hour by doing something <laughs> like this. Wild. And so, so it, it at least opened up my mind. I mean, the NFT world is kind of in a lull a little bit right now because um, ethereum went down everything went um, down. yeah every everything kind of went down i'm sure it'll go back up at some point um winter. but yeah but uh you know so so it's not necessarily something i can live off of at this time is like continually selling nfts um in this market but it did open my mind to like i was like man what else could i do that would be that I could charge more for basically than what I'm doing at the restaurant that I'm working at. So my new goal has been, um, I have a, a voice degree in, um, in vocal coaching. And so, and, and I taught for a while, like after, after I graduated from college. Um, and then whenever I moved to Nashville, I was like, I don't want to run my own business because I was like, I don't, that's, it's like chasing cats. You know, I was like, I just want to clock in, clock out and do music is the way that I felt before. But now I've realized that there really is an opportunity in creating your own business that you can, um, you can charge enough to live. Um, basically like you can charge what you feel like you actually deserve instead of like just getting a paycheck at a restaurant Yeah, the market um, rate. and you can get as many clients as you want. You know, you can just like, I mean, you're the only thing limiting yourself from doing that. And then even as that grows, shamelessly plugging myself, it's called punch Fox <laughs> is the name of the, the company. We have an Instagram. Um, but as it grows, eventually I'm going to hire vocal coaches under me. Yeah. And, um, and so that is something that like, hopefully in the future could be something that is bringing in income, um, while I'm able to predominantly focus on my music, but of course, like still be overseeing and running the company. Totally. I mean, you as an artist is a business, but you're touching on something uh, I want to highlight, which is having multiple streams of income. Mm -hmm. So you're never overexposed to one thing. 
Um, so I, I, I love that you're kind of exploring that and kind of defining what that looks like for you. Mm-hmm. I think like COVID too helped a lot of people with realizing they're like, wait a minute, maybe I don't have to go back to work. Maybe I can be creative and think of something that is going to like make more money and be fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's so crazy is during COVID, how many people have turned to art? Yeah. Begs the question of how can you make your art more sustainable so you can live a life that mm-hmm. you really want? I think I think another good thing would be like prioritizing too. Like I know in music, one of the main ways to make money is sync placement. And which sync placement, if you don't know what that is, is just like music that is synchronized in uh, commercials or movies or TV shows. Um, and... That's something that, you know, I don't know. I I guess I have the contacts for it now, but I haven't necessarily thrown myself into doing that every day. You know, like I haven't focused on, oh, well, I need to write another sync song. I need to write another song for sync, you know. But I feel like if I made that a little bit more of a priority, that might be a smart thing to do money-wise. What I find really cool about it, writing for sync is that it pushes you to write music that you never would have otherwise that's true that's very true i yeah i mean because because my whole thing danny knows this but um uh i have a side project called the banshees um that i'm in with one of our friends it's like an indie rock project but i had never done rock before at all like i never saw myself as a rock person and i was having dinner with my friend and he was like hey this you know sync label was asking me for stuff that was you know kind of uh rock centered and he's like he's like you want to help me write a song for that and i literally just did an impersonation of what i thought a rock artist sounded like (laughs) and the label liked it and signed it and you know we have like a whole project out now and you know that's that's the thing that we got on riverdale and um, yeah, so it's crazy. That's so cool. Yeah, like there's so many opportunities that come from just kind of seeing, trying to make the most of what you have. Yeah. Well, and it grew me as an artist too, because it was like, I was like, I don't know, it, it freed me up a little bit and like gave me this whole like extra, it gave me an excuse to play this persona that I had never been before. Yeah. And, um, and so, so now with my own music, I'm like, oh, maybe I can push the boundaries a little bit more. Like maybe I can try this or, you know, I didn't feel so locked into only having to do what, you know, initially came to me. Right. Right. You, the only limitations you have are the ones that are in your mind, really. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's true. And it takes like a lot of experiences to open that up in different parts of your life. Mm hmm. So that's really fun. Words of wisdom I would have is I remember when I was uh, first um, doing music and I was working this job at this restaurant and they had scheduled me a sh- for a shift that I didn't know that I was scheduled for. They called me day of and they were like, hey, you're supposed to come in today. And I was like, I can't. I have a session. And they were like they were like, they're like, well, you have to come in today. And I was like, in my head, I was like, no, my priority is music. So I was like, I was like, I'm sorry. I have a session. I I can't come in. I scheduled this a month in advance, you know, whatever. And, um, 
anyway, I ended up getting fired <laughs> and it took me, it took me two years to find a job as good as that one. Cause it was really? a pretty good work environment. All my friends worked there. You're making good money there, you know, whatever. And because I was so determined that I was putting music first, I lost that. Um, do you regret it? Yes. And so, so I have learned you gotta, you gotta hold it down. You gotta, you know, you want to do your music and you want to make sure that you're, you know, putting your best foot forward doing that and spending the time you need on that. But also a stable job is extremely important to your overall well-being in in life, like feeling like you can pay your bills, feeling like you can buy food and not, you know, be super stressed out, but also feeling like you're at a good work environment where you have friends and you feel loved whenever you go there. Um, that kind of thing is just so important to your overall well-being. And then you can't even do music if you don't have that money. So, so yeah, if I could go back in time and tell younger self, you know, a life lesson, it would definitely be take your job seriously. Um, or at least, you know, to the best of your ability so that you can continue doing the things that you want to do. Well said life is just a constant, choice between different compromises yeah wow very true okay give us a scoop what are you working on where can we see you perform next tell us everything i have an ep coming out later this year with a music video that i just shot in the uk that i'm really excited about um and then i'm sure at some point very soon you'll probably be able to see me at the hotel cafe or something like that so you can find me on instagram at camden underscore music um, and my artist name is just Camden on Spotify and all that stuff. Awesome. I definitely want to come to that show in LA. So let me know. Please do. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Loved having you here. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it. If you're feeling a sense of powerlessness over your finances, you need to get your mind on the right track and your habits will follow. First and foremost, self-reflect and self-accept. Don't be too hard on yourself. Self-judgment isn't going to help you. So let it go. Assess your relationship with money. Identify what a healthy relationship with money looks like for you. List your unhealthy financial habits and thoughts, what you want to improve, and choose healthy thoughts and practices. I like to leave myself little positive notes and reminders around my office and digital sphere. Also setting financial deadlines and goals in my calendar. You can't have progress without measurement. So set goals and create a financial plan to better support your craft. Yes, you have to get creative with your finances too. The more regularly you look at your account balances and make positive changes, the less scary it will be and the less likely you will avoid it, which is good. You'll start breaking that cycle and start looking at it, start looking at money like a tool. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for hanging with me. We'll be back next Wednesday. This content is for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. You can seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. I did you wrong. My heart went out to play. And in the game, I lost you. What a price to pay. Hey. I'm crying Ooh, Baby, baby Ooh, 
baby, baby. Baby, baby. Baby, baby.